case anybody wasn't paying attention, this morning isn't just the second Sunday of Advent. It is precisely two weeks until Christmas Eve. So, gentlemen, you have 14 days to get this thing right. Now, if you're like me and you don't really care for going to the store, you have 12 days to get it on Amazon. As the anticipation of this season mounts, it seems that we wind up spending a lot of time thinking about gifts. We think about gifts we want to give. We think about gifts we wish we were able to give. We think about that we should probably start thinking about gifts. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Don't tell Melanie. And then sometimes we even think about some gifts we might like to receive. The consumerism of modern American culture is, is relentlessly reminding us about gifts. Gifts, 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 gifts. But if we ignore all that, we still are left with the reality that there is a powerful association between Christmas and gifts that, that dates back to the very first Christmas when the wise men presented gifts to the infant Jesus. Well, this Advent at Lake Ridge, we're going to be celebrating some of the gifts that we experience as followers of Jesus Christ, the, the gifts we receive with the coming of Jesus into our world. And our excellent Advent devotional is all about praying the gifts of Christmas, hope, love, joy, and peace. Uh, tonight at 7, we're going to be celebrating some of those same gifts through music, and I hope you're as excited about that as I am. And as we, as we celebrate these gifts, as we reflect on them and the, the true meaning and value of Christmas, the impact that it has in our lives, the hope, the love, the joy, and the peace that comes through Christ, we need to remember that these gifts are not just for us to enjoy and hold on to. Rather, Scripture urges us over and over again. It commands us over and over again that, that these very same gifts need to be shared with those who haven't yet received them through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, for this reason, on Sunday mornings, we are talking about sharing the gifts of Christmas that we've been celebrating this season. So, last Sunday, amidst all the, all the excitement, we talked about sharing the gift of hope, the, the hope that we enjoy and rely on through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and today, we are turning to love. We're considering the gift of love and and we're going to be looking at that gift through the, the lens of probably what is the most famous and beloved passage uh, of the New Testament, John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. The good news is, if you opened up your Bible for Richard's presentation, you shouldn't have to move very far. It's on the same, same page for me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. What we see here is Jesus speaking of God's great love for, for all people in sending His Son forward that first Christmas. But Christ's words are also starkly reminding us that each person must choose to receive that love through belief in Christ, or else we remain condemned despite God's love for us. Right? One key takeaway from this passage is that God's great love must be received and shared. So I want to begin, first of all, just 
thinking about, meditating, reflecting on God's great love, which we which was expressed for us at Christmas. You see, verse 16, the one we know so well, the one that's in every end zone of every football game, so therefore, uh, clearly we know it, gloriously announces, for God so loved the world. Right? An emphatic, overwhelming, enormous love. And, and I think the thing that's maybe most incredible about God's love for us is that but if you really get to know us, we're pretty unlovable. I'm just saying. I mean, most of us do a pretty decent job of, of putting up a public facade of, of being good, decent, moral, kind people. But if you, if you really get to know us, you know, if you get to know us the way our, our family gets to know us, you'll probably see, you would know that that, hey, we're, we're plagued by some unlovable things going on in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. When you really get to know us, you, you begin to see the anger or the, the jealousy or the arrogance or the lust or the greed or the selfishness or the vanity or the cowardice or the weakness or the lack of discipline that, that lurks inside us underneath that strong public face we put up. You see, for most of us, it's really easy to love the person that we present on Sunday morning when we're all scrubbed up outside and in. But real love knows who we really are and loves us anyway. That's what makes God's genuine and, and passionate and profound and unceasing love so incredible, right? That He has this love for each and every person created in His image because and despite the fact that he, he knows everything that's going on in our lives. He, he knows it all, he sees it all, and he loves us anyway. God sees the mess of our sins and our failures and our shame and our loss and our regrets and our weakness and our cowardice, and yet God so loved the world. And God's not blind. He's not out of touch or clueless. He, he sees the mess that's in the world around us, right? We can see it. It streams 24-7, but God sees it even more clearly. He sees all the violence, right? the abuse of one another, the viciousness, the vitriol, the prejudice, the poverty, the oppression, the cruelty, the sickness, the loneliness. He sees it all. He sees the dictators and the demagogues, the torturers and the terrorists, and he still loves this flawed and fallen world anyway. For God so loved the world. God loves you and me despite our many mistakes and our failings and our sins and our shame. He loves you deeply, whether you appear to have it all together with the perfect life and the perfect job and the perfect family, or, or whether, in fact, you're struggling every single day with, with dark thoughts and sinful temptations. God sees you in your sin and your mess, and He loves you anyway. That's the great love of God. But how can a righteous and just and holy God for he is certainly all of these things, and therefore cannot tolerate the presence of sin. How can a God like that express a love like this 
towards us who are so unrighteous and unholy and unjust. Well, that's God's great gift to us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. God expressed His love for us by giving His Son, unique and holy, eternal and almighty, as the perfect and righteous sacrifice for for all of our sins. To pay the price with His blood for all of the sin that that we've ever committed and all the sin we're ever going to commit. He gave His only Son. God gave us His Son sent in human flesh at Christmas. God gave us His Son to, to die on a cross. God gave us His Son to bear the Lord's wrath, His righteous anger, to pay the penalty for all the sin, the penalty we should be paying for all the mistakes we've ever made. That's God's great love for us. That's God's great gift for us, the gift of Christmas, that though we deserve nothing more than punishment and eternal separation from God, He gave us Jesus anyway. But this gift does nothing for us if we don't open it. If we leave it wrapped up under the tree. See, Jesus is clear. We must choose to receive the love of God. This is where the what we know as John 3.16 and only shows up in the end zone. This is where the gospel gets real as we move into verses 17 and 18. Because Jesus is clear. We must choose to receive this love of God. And how do we receive that love? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him. We receive God's love by believing in God's Son as our Lord and Savior. We don't receive God's love based on good deeds or based on good behavior or by generous giving to the church or by regular Sunday school attendance or being faithful in worship every Sunday morning. Those are, these are all incredibly good things. These are important for your development as a, as a believer in Christ. But they can't ever be good enough to earn you the love of God. God's love is a gift for those who believe in Jesus Christ. God's love isn't based on performance or education or achievement or virtue. There is no test of knowledge, and I do not need to write a pastoral recommendation for you to receive it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now Jesus is brutally clear that for those who don't believe, God still loves them passionately, but they still stand condemned because of their sin. Verse 18 explains, Whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, now in this verse, there are two phrases here. One is condemned already, the other has not believed. And both of them use a grammatical construction in the original language that is indicating something that was done in the past that has ongoing effect. And so in the past... We are condemned. That has ongoing effect. In the past, we did not believe. As long as that is a true statement, it has ongoing effect. What's described in verse 18 is the default status of every single person 
on earth, right? Everyone we will ever come into contact with, that's their default status. That's the way we are born. That is the way we live until something changes. But having born with no instinctual faith in Jesus Christ, a person has not believed, and that has ongoing impact on their life. And for that reason, every single person, right, sinful as we are, is in a natural state of condemnation. Each person stands in an ongoing state of condemnation for their guilt and sin by default. This is the status of every single person we encounter, whether it's in our neighborhood or at the far ends of the earth in Indonesia. We've been condemned and cannot get out of that condition on our own. But when we receive God's great love by believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there is no more condemnation for us ever. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. And this this phrase is describing an ongoing state of being. In Christ, there is no condemnation, just the love of God. In Christ, you are no longer known by your your sin of your past, your, your shame, your mistakes, even the things the world label you with. Those are not how you are known. In Christ, even if the world condemns you, God loves you. Verse 17 assures us, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. God's desire is that for all would be saved, that none would be condemned. That's His love for the world. And so the giving of Christ, first at Christmas and then at Easter, is how God made possible for the people of this world, flawed as we are, to be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, most of us sit or stand here as recipients of God's great love. Most of us here believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So we are free of condemnation. We rejoice in God's love for us. We celebrate it here at Advent in particular. But God's great gift of love is meant to be shared. See, God doesn't just love us. That's what we're seeing over and over again. That's what we see in this verse, right? God doesn't just love you know, Bible-believing, church-going Americans. He doesn't just love people who've repented of their sin and and turned to Jesus Christ. He doesn't just love people who have their acts together and do more good stuff than bad stuff. For God so loved the world. God loves the world. He wants the whole world to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to be saved from condemnation. God loves the addict and the abuser, the convict and the atheist, the homeless and the helpless, the hopeless and the victim, the Muslim and the Hindu. God loves each person and desires for them to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And so God made a provision for this world that He loves. It's the church. It's you and me. We are here to share the good news of God's love and the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to be the living expression of God's love for the lost and the broken and the dark parts of this world. And so this Advent, as we are celebrating the gifts of Christmas 
And we should. We should be rejoicing absolutely in what we have received. We should rejoice every day in what we have received through Christ. But let us redouble our efforts to share that love of God with the world that God loves. We need to be sharing that love locally in our neighborhoods and in our community and in our schools and our workplaces with our families and our friends at the stores and at all the holiday parties that we'll be attending. We're also called to share the love of Christmas with the entire world. Because God doesn't just happen to love our neighborhoods and our community and our friends and our family and our schools and our workplaces. He loved the whole world. We need to be developing and growing that same love for the world that Christ had. And we share the love of God with those at the farthest ends of the earth, just as Richard was describing. And one of the most effective ways we can do that is by praying for and supporting our missionaries in the field. Right? There are those we know. Right? They are maybe the easier ones to pray for and support. Folks like Rebecca and Jason and Kim and David and Diane and Greg and Shelly. Right? And we should be praying for them by name. I urge you that you do. We should continue to support their work in any way that we can. But also remember the nearly 3,600 IMB missionaries that are deployed right now in the field that are engaged with, with sharing the love of God and ministry in, in the, the gospel of Jesus Christ with 896 different people groups right now. Pray for them. Pray for them, but also pray about giving generously to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. This is their most important source of support so they can be out in the field Doing the work. Right? We don't, we're not all so fortunate to be called to the foreign field. But we may all support, we should all support those who are. This, there are so many ways that we can serve the kingdom. Prayer and giving being two of them, but there are many more. Right? So this offering is, is so crucial in reaching a world. There is exciting things going on in the world right now. There is a huge movement, as Richard described, amongst the Muslim world. Doors have opened that have been shut for centuries. Right? God is work and just working in incredibly dynamic ways. Uh, this is an exciting, incredible time to be involved in the kingdom. We want those people. God wants those people. He wants that 18 million right, in that city in Indonesia. He wants them to have the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He wants them to be free of condemnation, to live in the love of God just as we do. And so this Advent and this Christmas, I would encourage you to share the love of Christmas, not just enjoy it for yourself, but share it with this world that so desperately needs it. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just stand in awe of the fact that when we're honest with ourselves, there are some really ugly parts of us. And yet you love us anyway. You love us so much that you sent your Son, eternal, the Son who, who was present at creation, right? Who, by whom all things were made, who even now is holding all things together. You sent your Son into this world at Christmas to go to the cross at Easter. You sent your Son to bear the wrath that we deserve 
so that by faith in Him we might gain that eternal life, that we would stand free of our sin and our shame and our regret, that we would become new creations in Christ. And so, Lord, help us to celebrate that, to rejoice in that, to realize that, to live in the joy of that and enjoy just bask in Your love. But, Lord, I pray, too, that we would not have a selfish approach to this love, that instead You would fill our hearts with the, the love that You have for this world, for the lost and the broken, for the lonely and the hurting. Lord, I pray that we would be Your hands and feet, taking Your Gospel not only through our daily lives and the places we encounter, but supporting those who take your gospel to the utmost ends of the earth, the darkest corners that have never heard the name of Jesus. And it's in that powerful name that we pray. Amen. We do want to give you time this morning to just respond in whatever you feel led to respond, the way God has been working in your heart this morning with all that you have heard. I do want to encourage you to give prayerful consideration to the support for, for missionaries, both local, with the work of our local uh, outreach, as well as to the ends of the earth. But, but first, I want to speak to anybody here who hasn't yet received the love of God, who realizes they don't yet have that relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ that we celebrate in this season. Don't let that gift go unwrapped. Don't let it sit in the corner under a tree. Open the gift of God's grace. If that's something you'd like to talk more about, if that's something you're ready to do, or like to pray, pray with us about as we worship in song, we invite you to come to the front. So we can pray together. But for each of us, I do encourage you, take time, not just now, but all week long, just reflect on God's great love for you, what He's done for you, to the events of Christmas, to the events of Easter, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. And as you reflect on that love, I pray that you will respond to God's leading on how to share that love with those in your life and those at the ends of the earth who so desperately need to experience that love. Let's worship. Mm-hmm.